athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I just got the key, they let me in, no ID. Doors opening up for me and now I see. I've been blind for a while now. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on Radio Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As always, we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. And I'm going to tell you what, like, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but I mean, I got to be honest, like I was, I was rooting for the Dodgers in part because the Dodgers produced Jackie Robinson, first black player in Major League Baseball, modern day Major League Baseball. So, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, we've had Dave Roberts as a guest on this program also. So like. You know, I, I watched the game on Tuesday, and, <laughs> you know, as I'm sitting there watching the game, like I watched the first inning, um, I, I took a little bit of a break. Came, I actually came back in the fifth inning when Blake Snell was dealing, like he was putting in that work. Dodgers get a hit, was that, it was one out, bottom, uh, top of the fifth. And Kevin Cash comes out, pulls Snell, out of the game, like in that particular instance right there, we can talk about the analytics and the numbers and I mean, his thought process, meaning cash was that, well, he doesn't do well with the batters at that once they've batted three times or their third time around like that to me, I, you know, it, it's there's too many analytics and probabilities and what could happen here and what could happen there. I mean, I'm watching that game on TV. So obviously, if it's a lot different when you're there. And in that moment, you can, I mean, couldn't he feel that he had something special going on that night? That Snell was going to be able to get it done even the third time around. That was a one to nothing baseball game. The final score of that game would have been at, at the minimum one to nothing. Who knows? Maybe because the Dodgers are sort of, you know, the Dodgers pitching is sort of shaky. Like, and, 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 and actually, I mean, I thought the Dodgers pitchers were, were, was a little bit shaky, uh, the pitching throughout the course of this series. But I think you also have to give credit to the Rays in terms of timely hits throughout the course of this series. You look at the Dodgers, they had a, you know, they'll have a four to nothing lead. You, you look up next is four to three, whatever the case may be. So I think you have to, you do have to give the Rays a lot of credit there. But man, I mean, what Snell was doing, like you can't take him out of the game at that point. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care what the batting average is of the Dodgers third time around against him. He's got to stay in 
the game. The Dodgers had no confidence. Zero. They had zero confidence against Snell in that game. Zero. I mean, they, you know, Mookie Betts, who's been, was absolutely phenomenal, as a matter of fact, in the series, said after the game, like, he couldn't believe that the Rays were pulling Snell from the game. You bring in the relief pitcher who, by the way, has given up at least one run in his last six appearances. No! That was the absolute wrong move. I mean, I can you can look at it and say, well, uh, again, not good against the Dodger hitting the third time around. Maybe he should have been better previously the third time around. But it's the ebbs and flows of the game. You can have you know, in your mind what you're going to do and what the numbers say and all those things. But how the game, to me, dictates what you do. And that's in any sport. Like being around, you know, having coached Little League and, you know, whatever. It's not Major League Baseball. It's not even anywhere near it. But baseball is baseball. And there's just when, – when there's a pitcher in the game and having not only having coached it, right, but also uh, my daughter – plays travel softball, son plays travel baseball. So when they're getting, I mean, a pitcher is on and really doing their thing, you know, you you know you're not going to be able to hit that pitcher. And then when a new pitcher comes in, and I mean, we've had some times when it's been, you know, maybe the score's out of range, couldn't hit the pitcher, maybe it's 8 nothing or whatever the score is, and then you bring a new pitcher in, doesn't throw as hard, it's not as good. You know, you're looking like, okay, we can hit this guy. And then you start to get some runs. You start to get some hits. And that's exactly what happened with the Dodgers. I I don't know what Cash was. I mean, I you know, listen, I know if you're a Rays fan, you've got to be irate. You were looking to push that thing to a game seven on Wednesday. You have to now hope for next year. I mean, you know, in, you know, when you look at Cash, I mean, when I look at him, he's done some really good things. I mean, obviously, he started out slow, but, I mean, the Rays have made the playoffs the last couple of years, including all the way to the World Series this year. And then the other thing is sometimes you can leave, and I'm not advocating for Cash at all. Like, I think that was the absolute wrong move. Sometimes you can leave a guy in the game too long. We've seen that happen multiple times, but this wasn't that time because it was only five and a third innings. So we may talk a little bit about the Dodgers a little bit more today on the program, but my thing is, listen, I'm happy for the Dodgers organization. You've got a black owner in Magic Johnson and a game for the Dodgers. Jackie Robinson, the first black player in baseball, was a Dodger product so congratulations to the Dodgers so again the election is November the 3rd now I I say the election that's the day that's the last day you can vote hopefully in your area you've by now done your early voting hopefully you've done it in person Uh, again I realize we're in COVID-19 if you're if you're able to be safe and you know, we're able to get out there, and, and, and I'm sure still some time for you to vote right now. Like a lot of places, uh, I think, well, at least here in North Carolina, early voting ends on the 31st, right, on Halloween. So still time 
to register and vote. And then if you if you haven't or are unable to do that by Halloween, please on Tuesday, vote, vote, vote. This is the most important, the most important election of our lifetime. So I'm uh, going to get to a couple of things today here on the program, a couple of matchups. And when you look at top 25, I think the, the, the premier matchup for this weekend is Ohio State is at Penn State. Penn State number 18, a shocking loss to Indiana. Congratulations to the Hoosiers who are obviously more known for basketball than football, but pulled off a great overtime victory. I, I thought the play was very close at that near pylon. I, I actually thought that the ball, if you saw this play, I thought the ball, even on replay, and again, I'm not a fan of replay. I think re- they need to get rid of replay because not so much because in some instances they still get the call wrong anyway, although I think in this instance it was so close. Like I can't really say they got the call wrong because it needed to be a lot to overturn the call. I thought that the ball hit the ground first before it hit the pylon. Needs to be indisputable evidence to overturn that call. And again, that's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm like, get rid of replay. I mean, I think the officials with the naked eye, I mean, it. I mean, it, that was my thought. My thought was that it hit the ground first, but somebody else and a lot of other people didn't see it that way. And I think the call that was originally called is the call that we should stay. Yeah, if it's an egregious, something egregious, you know, like if we go back to the NFC Championship game with the Saints and the Rams going back a couple of years ago. Okay, that's egregious. We need instant replay there. But for the most part, I'm against instant replay. I I, I don't personally, I don't think they got it. Uh, they got it right. I think the ball hit the ground first. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Indiana, boy, I mean, Indiana really, really made a statement. Uh, but again, that's probably your marquee game is Ohio State at Penn State. The question is, how will the Nittany Lions bounce back? I mean, another key game, Michigan State at Michigan. Boy, this uh, <laughs> you throw everything out of the window. And for Harbaugh, like he's got to win this game. Like he's got to win the Wolverines got to win this uh, football game against Michigan State. Now, you know, I I, I want to say congratulations to Coastal Carolina, who's number 20 in the nation. I mean, to the Chanticleers. I mean, if you go back a couple of years ago, this was a team that was in the FCS. I remember when Coastal Carolina, maybe going back uh, 2013 perhaps, played at North Carolina A&T. North Carolina A&T, the Aggies missed an extra point, ended up losing that game 31-30, to and that was going back again 2013-2014, the an FCS program, and now Coastal Carolina, number 20 in the country. Congratulations to Coastal Carolina. Still plenty more to come here on Box to Row. Thank you for joining us today on the program. I'm your host, Donald Ware, we got more of the program on the other side. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, y'all? You know what it is. Your boy, the one and only C-Block General. 
Jaden Why the whole world love my voice? Why I try to tell them that it's the flow, son? And right now you checking out from the fresh box to fresh roll, you heard me? <laughs> they got me in the system. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitby, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hey, Mommy, what you doing? Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I ate the entire bag, and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. From the Press Box to Press Row and BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's the brother you love to hate with a new song. So what really goes on? Not gonna come up, but ain't that a trip? They hate to see a young brother rich, but I refuse to switch. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You want to participate on the program? Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. Also on my personal Twitter account at DWare1, at DWare1, or my personal Instagram account at Where Donald. Is the MIAC in trouble once again? So. We talked about this extensively last week and over the last really couple of months since it was announced that Florida A&M and the Bethune-Cookman were going to leave the conference to join the SWAC on next year. At the top of the year, North Carolina A&T said it was leaving the conference, is leaving the conference to join the Big South. In the midst of all that, last week the MEAC put out its schedule to start February 20th. It put out the fact that it was going to a divisional format, which would, in essence, for football anyway, well, for all sports, but in football will culminate with a championship game uh, in April. 
great news for the MEAC. Looked like the MEAC was going to be able to maximize because, again, nine conference schools in terms of football playing schools this year and then next year is going to drop down to six. So, again, as I mentioned last week and in, in weeks past, I thought that the MEAC really needed to maximize this year. Needed, needs to really maximize this year in terms of uh, being able to get everything it can while it still had six football, or excuse me, nine football playing institutions. Well, of course, there's, and in, in the midst of COVID-19, you're going to have many, many monkey wrenches, many of them. So with that being said, Bethune-Cookman announced earlier in the week that it was not participating in athletics at all for the 2021 season. The reasoning was because of not only the uptick of COVID-19 cases in Florida, but more specifically in Volusia County, where Daytona Beach is, where Bethune-Cookman is. Now, to me, I mean, I, I don't, like, I get it, okay? So I've always been, and I still am, although, I mean, if you're going to play, you're going to play. Like, if we're going to play sports, and more specifically, intercollegiate athletics, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. I'm going to support it. I'm going to be there, even though, listen, I don't want to catch COVID-19, and I don't want anybody to catch it. And there's a great risk if you participate in athletics of catching COVID-19. We haven't seen the spread in collegiate athletics. We haven't seen it uh, in, 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 in the National Football League as much. The, and, and, and with respect to Major League Baseball, a little bit early on, there was and then there, there wasn't until the very end, <laughs> uh, in the, the final game, uh, that is, uh, with Game 6 of the World Series. But, you know, like to me, it just feels like this is a financial situation with Bethune-Cookman. I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's too early to me. Like, who knows what's going to happen? you know, maybe a month from now. Why does Bethune-Cookman make this decision now, okay? I mean, if you look at, let's go back to the decision that, you know, the Big Ten, Pac-12 ultimately made. They made the decision early, decided, hey, we're not going to participate in football uh, this year, ultimately backtracked, uh, money reasons, and a lot of pressure, uh, more so than anything else, and they and ultimately now, are playing football. Big Ten ultimately now is playing football. But again, that may have been a little bit premature for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to make that decision. Well, I'm saying the same thing here, even though, I, you know, I, I, again, I don't, I don't want anybody to catch COVID-19. But the fact that the MEAC has set a schedule, the fact that the schools have said they're going to play, the fact that the NCAA has said the FCS uh, can play, um, wow, why so early, Bethune-Cookman? Uh, extremely, I think. I mean, you know, and again, I mean, it's just my, just my opinion. Extremely early to be making that decision other than from a financial uh, perspective. If you look at Bethune-Cookman, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a situation where they're 
going to make the move to the SWAC. I don't think if Florida A&M hadn't gone to the SWAC, Bethune-Cookman would not be in the SWAC. Bethune-Cookman needs to be able to get itself together to go to the SWAC. And if you look at this, it's not only going to be Bethune-Cookman. It's going to be most, if not all, teams uh, and even the the FBS and Power 5 programs are going to lose money. The difference between uh, the Power 5 schools and everybody else, their losses aren't going to be as significant as the other uh, other conferences and other schools, other divisions that play pound for pound because of the TV revenue. But I mean, Bethune-Cookman stands to lose a lot. So, hey, why, I mean, why, why play football? Okay. You know, when, first of all, I mean, in, in when I've gone to Bethune-Cookman games, it has, and I've been to Bethune-Cookman you know, you know, four or five times, it, it, the, the the fan support isn't that great. Like, it's not like the stands are filled. They play at the, the, the city municipal field in Daytona, and the fan support is just not that great. Comparatively speaking, I said this before, you look at a Florida A&M's got great fan support. So, you know, then the even with the gym, okay, for basketball, it's not the biggest gym. You're not going to be able to get a lot of people in the gym. That's going to be a lot of, from a financial standpoint, it's going to be a lot of money that Bethune-Cookman is going to have to spend to put on these athletic events. Obviously, you look at, you know, I don't know about baseball. They may charge for baseball because they play at a nice park, you know, a a, a, uh, a minor league park uh, there. And I'm not sure where the softball team plays, but, Generally speaking, those are non-revenue sports, so you still have to spend money on non-revenue sports. Uh, with respect to football, you got to put those football games on. You got to play in those football games. The TV money, like yeah, the MEAC and the SWAC have a deal with ESPN, but the revenue is—I mean, I think, or well, at least from what I knew some years ago, something like one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. At least that was the number that was reported that the conference was getting and then, you know, maybe a share of of some of the commercials to be able to sell during the broadcasts on ESPN, although I am told that that is not the case, that the MEAC is not able to, uh, sources told me that they're not able to sell those uh, commercial spots. But, I mean, it's not a lot of money. So even if you, if the conference is giving Bethune-Cookman in this instance money, to play on ESPN was well, not a significant amount of money compared to the money that you have to have game day operations. People, uh, you have to have security. You have to have all of those things that doesn't even count the testing that has to go on. Not even from a football standpoint. Yeah. But from a basketball standpoint, also you're talking about two or three games. You know, I hadn't had a chance to look at Bethune Cookman's schedule, but I don't know, you know what those money games look like. Uh, for Bethune-Cookman more specifically with respect to men's basketball. I mean, it's probably not enough to cover expenses, you know, relative to where you could go. I mean, it'd be nice if, you know, Bethune-Cookman could play in state, the you know, the Floridas of the world, the Florida states uh, of the world, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to get a game check uh, from them. But I think this is a money play uh, for Bethune-Cookman. And I tell you what, it just, whenever it looks like, <laughs> The conference, meaning the MEAC, make it a, could make a little bit of a rebound. Here comes something else. And I don't think we're done. You know, uh, you know, South Carolina State has 
suspended athletic practices because of COVID-19. Now, you know, that's just a suspension, but who knows from a, again, from a financial standpoint, South Carolina standpoint, you're talking about a school that, that the legislature in South Carolina was talking about closing about three years ago. Okay. Even though the football program does well, um, you know, the, the fan support isn't like it once was at South Carolina state. You'd like to see it better. I mean, I, I remember, you know, going the middle part of the two, uh, or the latter part of the 2000s, and you went Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman would come to town, a and I mean, it'd be packed. I mean, you, you, it'd, be, it'd be a sellout there. I mean, to me, pound for pound, one of the best college football atmospheres. That has gone away. So, you know, we'll see what ultimately happens uh, with South Carolina State. But for all of these schools, and not just in the MEAC or the SWAC, but across the board, it's going to, the operational costs are going to be astronomical and astronomically more now because of the COVID-19 testing. How do you play? Will we see more schools drop out? I mean, here in the state of North Carolina, right now we're in phase three at an athletic competition. You can have 7% of the capacity of the stadium is how many fans you can have. So for instance, you know, if I'm looking at North Carolina central, uh, O'Kelly Riddick stadium holds, I think 10,000, 7% of that, you can only have 700 fans. You know, I mean, how do you, you know, and then a lot of those fans, and I don't know how they're going to do it with the students because the students pay a student fee. So the students have to have a certain allotment of tickets. How does that work? I mean, nobody's really going to be able to make a lot of money off of uh, off of ticket sales. Not that they were anyway, but they're going to make less, you know, uh, then also with respect to concessions. How much money do you make off of concessions? Now, you could go to your alumni and say, well, look, you know, we need to charge you X amount of dollars because we can all only have a certain amount of stand, uh, fans in the stands. And alumni will understand that. Like if they want to come and support the team safely, of course, they'll come out and they'll pay whatever the, the, the not whatever, but you know, a lot of fans will do that. A lot of alumni will do that to support the program. But the question is, is Bethune Cookman the last team that we're going to see suspend athletics? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We've got more on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to shoot for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard? Howard is like one of those experiences where... <laughs> You know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, 
black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've come in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression. And that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen. And people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult. And I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akila memory out their head, but realizing Akila also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to typecast it as just the weed girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. It's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know, you no, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man. We gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN College Sports Analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was uh, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned thirty. And it's just something that I never dreamed I'd be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. It's, there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I'm one of the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because he was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. we got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening from the press box to press row. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. It is that time in the program where I give my predictions for week eight of the National Football League. By the way, went 10-3 and three last week. That's not bad. Went 10-3 and three last week. One of the games that I missed uh, was the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Never saw that coming, to be honest with you, but it just shows really where I think that the Cardinals can be, where they can be. They have the ability to be there. They need to be a little bit more consistent. But, I mean, give the Cardinals credit a big win over the Seahawks and, of course, that was an NFC West game. So the Falcons and the Panthers got together uh, on Thursday. So a Northern Division game in the NFC between the Packers and the Vikings. Again, the Vikings continue to struggle. Um, uh, the Packers look good. Aaron Rodgers looks good. Yeah, got beat down a couple of weeks ago by Tampa Bay. But uh, uh, fortunately for Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are not playing Tampa Bay. They're playing the Vikings who have at quarterback Kirk Cousins, who was good for uh, some critical interceptions. Ultimately, I'm going to go, and the game is in Green Bay, no less. I'm going to go with the Packers. The Bengals and the Titans. Boy, the Titans, man, I'm telling you, like the Titans um, are looking really, really good. Like if you look at uh, what the Titans were able to do uh, on uh, on last week. Yeah, they lost to the Steelers, but came back. Like, they were down 24-7, to and it felt like the score was bigger than 24-7 to against the Steelers last week, and they fought and fought but couldn't quite uh, pull it out. Meanwhile, the Bengals are coming off the loss to the Browns. Uh, listen, Burrow continues to play well, but he's not going to be able to play well enough uh, against that running game of Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is playing extremely well uh, at quarterback. And got to give, you know, got to give Rabel, the head coach, a lot of credit here for what he's doing with that Titans team. I got the Titans. That game is in Cincinnati. The Chiefs and the Jets, do we even need to break this game down? Nah, not going to waste my time. You know, <laughs> you know the deal. The Jets are awful. The Chiefs are really, really good. Like, I don't even see an upset in this game. I've got Kansas City. The Lions and the Colts. So this is an interesting game. Like, you know, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure if Matt Patricia is the right coach for the Lions. And while I'm still not sure if he is, the one thing I am sure about is that the Lions aren't as bad as I thought that they were. And I'm going to tell you what, 
Matthew Stafford looks really, really good. It's a, it's a solid running game for the Lions as well. If they can figure things out defensively, ultimately, I think they can be uh, really uh, much better than they are now. And, I mean, listen, they're still right there in that northern division, in that northern division. I mean, I realize the Bears, you know, the Bears are 5-2 and two coming off a loss. Uh, you look at the Packers, you know, the Packers are where they are, and then the Vikings, you know, aren't good at all. But, you know, the Colts are coming off a bye week. Colts have been struggling. The Colts have really been struggling. Uh, Phillip Rivers hasn't really found his mojo yet. Um, you know, I, he 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 definitely needs some re, uh, some receivers um, to be able to throw the football to. It needs a running game as well. I mean, those are things that are, are, are void uh, of Phillip Rivers right now as they try to get things together. I'm liking the way the Lions are playing, coming off a big win with no time, touchdown pass, no time on the clock. I'm going to go with the Lions in Detroit. The Ravens and the Steelers. Oh, divisional game. Wow. Again, you talk about the Steelers holding on last week, but, you know, we talk about this MVP race and who's playing well, and, you know, you you you, you talk about what Russell Wilson uh, is doing, Patrick Mahomes. You talk about what Aaron Rodgers is doing. You got to throw Brady in that conversation now after this slow start. We're not talking enough about what Ben Roethlisberger is doing in his comeback year as the Steelers are the only undefeated team in the National Football League, able to run the football well. James Conner has had some really, really good games. I mean, that offense is going. But as much as the offense is going, the defense, I don't want to say the defense is lights out, but the defense is really, really good. And I think the the Ravens, the Chiefs showed what you can do against the Ravens to be able to win against Baltimore. And I think the Steelers' defense is really, really good. Um, I mean, they're gonna they're they're gonna they're gonna find a way to slow down Lamar. I think in this football game, I'm gonna go with the Steelers in this game. That game is gonna be played in Baltimore. The Rams at the Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa makes his first start. For the Dolphins, again, got in the game. It was the announcement was made last week. He's had a bye to really understand that system a little bit better. Boy, he's going to be thrown into the fire against Aaron Donald. Boy, that's going to be tough. Like, the Rams look pretty good uh, in their victory the other day. Uh, and I just think that, I, 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 I hey, listen, I think Tunga Vail, I mean, I think that's tough. Again, I got to go back to the decision to start Tunga Vailoa, even coming off the bye week, so that gives him an extra week of preparation. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but then you're going to throw him in against Aaron Donald? You know, Jalen Ramsey's got to throw against that? Man, I just, I I don't see the Dolphins winning that game, but this is going to be a great test for Tunga Vailoa going forward. I like, but obviously I like the Rams. That game is in Miami. The Patriots and the Bills. This is a tough game to call. As good as Cam Newton looked maybe the first couple of games, I mean, the Patriots got absolutely roasted by the 49ers. I actually unbelieve, I, for whatever reason, last week I decided to pick the 49ers. I just thought coming off the previous week the Patriots didn't look great uh, going back a couple of weeks ago, and they looked worse. I mean, the 49ers just did what they wanted to do. More so, Cam Newton doesn't look good right now and he knows that he's got to be better I think Cam will be better 
You know, I think Cam will be better in this football game. Meanwhile, you have the the Bills that have gotten off to this great start. Uh, you look at Allen's play. I mean, he started out like gangbusters. You know, not so much now. That Bills defense is tough. Um, it's a divisional game. I mean, I'm going to go with the Bills in Buffalo. Like, the Bills, I mean, the both teams really need this game. I think the Patriots need it more than the Bills, particularly from a divisional standpoint, which, by the way, the division, you know, it's you know, generally the Patriots would be running away with the division, but when you got the Jets who are bad, you know, the Patriots aren't great. You know, Miami's in the division. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, this is a game that the Patriots need worse, but if the Bills can win this game, boy, they can put some separation in that division. I like the Bills in Buffalo. The Browns and the Raiders. Interesting game. Browns coming off, you know, a big win. Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. I don't know, like any, when you have a player of that caliber, really if you look at Odell Beckham this year, he's only had like one, maybe two impactful games. Not, it's not to say he hasn't played decent. And I'm not saying they don't need him because when you have a guy like that on the field, even if he's not the one that's making the plays or catching the balls, it's opening it up for other players. So I get that. But, you know, the Brown, I mean, the Browns did what they needed to do against the Bengals. They won a game they should have won. Baker Mayfield's up and down. Like, he had a good game. He's up and down. You know, the Raiders are coming off a loss. But, you know, the, the Raiders, like, Derek Carr's decent. You know, I just think the Raiders need to get a little bit more defense. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I mean, I'm, I don't even think that's a, an upset game. I mean, I think when you're talking about where both teams are right now, you would, you would want to pick the Browns. You think the Browns would win a, a winning record. But I'm going to go with the Raiders in this game. That game is in Cleveland. The Broncos and the Chargers. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm feeling the Broncos. Like, I'm feeling the Broncos uh, a little bit more. Right, um, the Chargers, Chargers did what the Chargers needed to do. Like they beat the Jaguars, you know the Jaguars are having a really, really uh, tough season. You know, I don't know. Like, like I, I just feel like I like what the Broncos have the opportunity to be. I mean, had they had, you know, a decent quarterback, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe they could have won another Super Bowl, but. I mean, I'm not, you know, obviously they're nowhere near the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Chargers are decent. Like, I think the Chargers are okay, but I like the Broncos in this game. That game is in Denver. The Bears and the Saints. Boy, the Bears are coming off a whooping, okay? The Bears getting uh, getting beat in their last football game. And, yeah, Nick Foles didn't look great. Like, he didn't, he didn't look great at all in that football game. And, but yet the Bears are still 5-2. and two, But it doesn't, it feels like their record is not that good. Meanwhile, the Saints, eh, you know, the Saints are, like the Saints are pretty good. Like that's a good win. Like that's a good win against the Panthers. Went back and forth. That was a good football game last week. Uh, I like New Orleans in this game. Like I like Breeze and those, and, 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 and that Saints team against the Bears who, don't really have an identity uh, right at this particular moment. The Seahawks and the 49ers. Wow, a divisional matchup. What a game this promises to be. Seahawks coming off the loss. Um, the 49ers are coming off 
a win beating the Patriots down. I think the the 49ers can take some of that momentum. Like we're not we're probably not going to see Russell Wilson throw another three interceptions, but I mean I think Garoppolo's not great, but he's good enough. The offense is good enough. 49ers defense is pretty good. Meanwhile, the Seahawks defense just isn't as good as you would think it would be. Uh, no 12th man to speak of in Seattle. I like the 49ers. Cowboys and the Eagles, that's the Sunday night game. Cowboys in bad, bad shape right now. Coming off the loss to the Washington football team. Really an embarrassing loss. I think I think really you got to give Washington more credit. And I think they that the Washington football team deserves more credit than it is in fact getting. Meanwhile... Uh, boy, things are just bad uh, in Cowboy Land. Andrew Andy Dalton gets knocked, you know, out of the game on a cheap shot. By the way, uh, by Jeff Bostic. But this is a team that's in just pure disarray right now. The Eagles aren't great, but you know they're not bad. Like Wentz, you know, I expect him to do something against the Cowboys defense. I like the Eagles in Philly. Monday Night Football, the Buccaneers and the Giants. Tom Brady and company getting it done. But how about the Buccaneers defense, which is lights out? Now, the Giants have a solid defense, but it's not going to be solid enough against the Buccaneers. We see Gronk starting to come around. The receiving core is really, really good. Tom Brady's doing his thing. The running game is good. And the defense by Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator. I like the Buccaneers in that game. Your thoughts hit me up via Twitter. And on Facebook, we've got more of Box to Row on the other side. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a young man who's in his fourth season in the National Football League, all with the Indianapolis Colts, a former fourth-round draft pick in the 2017 NFL Draft out of Albany State. The Colts 4-2 and two on the season have a showdown in Detroit against the Lions on Sunday as starting nose tackle Grover Stewart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Grove, welcome back to the program. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, now last time we talked with you, it, it was it – was, it was Grover, but but see, you playing so well now, they're calling you Grove. Yes, sir. I'm trying to get the big Grove down. 
I heard that, man. How much fun are you having? How, in your fourth season in the league, how much fun are you having? Man, I'm having a lot of fun out there, man. Everybody bonding. The defense linking up with a team linking up. We're keeping it rolling, so I'm having a great time. Yeah. I mean, the team right now, in terms of total defense, third – well, against the run, that is, I should say, is third uh, in the National Football League. How much pride do you, uh, as an individual, take with that and then, of course, the defense as a whole? I mean, I'm real big on it. I want to be number one. And, like, we're going to work to be number one. So, like, being the, num- the number three defense in the league with that, like, I'm a little salty, but we're going to work and get it. Yeah. What about that game you had against the Bears, man? Like, I mean, you know, the, the, the numbers and numbers. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, this numbers don't always tell the story. I mean, even when you played at Albany State, I mean, you had some pretty good numbers. But those guys up front allow for those linebackers to get those tackles. So talk about that game. You guys and you in particular really came in that game looking to stop the run against the Bears and ultimately did that. Yes, sir. So, like. Like I tell, like, me and Buck, that's my little partner in crime on the inside, so I tell him, I was like, man, let's go in, let's stop this run, shut the run down, and let's get to the quarterback. Like, that'd be my main focus, like, so the guys could rush and so I could rush and get some sacks to shut down the run. So I'm real big on shutting down the run first. Once we shut down the run, then that lead the team to nothing else but the pass. Yeah. And and more specifically against the Bears, can you can you speak to that? That was you all's game plan coming in. We just wanted to get off, beat the line, like like they say, um, out hit the opponents. So like that was the biggest thing to go in and out hit the Bears, and like that's what we did. Grover Stewart again in his fourth season in the National Football League, all with the Colts, joins us here on from the press box to press row. How have you grown? Grover in terms of uh, just being a player in the National Football League in, in now your fourth season? So I really think I changed a lot, like dealing with my body, like my body fat and like being able to move, being able to break down offense and read, like break down films. So I really think I grew a lot, like within the four seasons, we're getting better on that. Yeah, six. Because what were you when you came out of uh, when you came out of Albany State? You, I, I mean, you're now six four, three fifteen. What, what were you when you came out of Albany State? I was like three thirty eight. I'm really six five, six six on a good day. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was three thirty eight, and I dropped my weight down. I dropped my body fat down. I'm now listed at like three oh eight. My body fat like 16%, so, like, I did a huge body change. No, it's no question about it, but but, but come on now. How do you go – I mean, you know, it's one thing to drop the weight, but the height can't fluctuate. No, I'm still 6'6", six, six, man, on a good day, man. I, I don't know where they get the 6'4 from. <laughs> no, that's great. Grover Stewart joins us here. Uh, on the program talk a little bit about the relationship that you and defensive line coach Brian Baker has have and how much um you know he's uh, helped you to grow uh, he I mean he's just getting in there and I mean you're starting now and uh really doing well on that Colts defensive line so the relationship man uh Bates I say we got a real good relationship some of the players say that's my dad they call me Grover Baker I was like man chill out with that 
<laughs> so like uh, they always teasing me with our relationship, but um, Bate have helped me a lot, like with my technique. He helped me a lot with uh, getting keys on plays, um, and like with my production, like getting to the ball, like like most of everything. So. Yeah, no. What's interesting? I mean, we we've obviously followed you in 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 all the years, but I mean, the production is 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 phenomenal. I mean, even if you look at the production last year, uh, much more production than you know certainly in 2018. I know 2017 limited playing time. You're trying to kind of understand uh, what's going on. Can you? Is it is it a situation where you know you put the work in in the off season with your body, and then Baker? kind of comes in and all of those things have enabled you to sort of really take your game uh, to another level. I mean, your I mean, your play even from last year which was good to this year is much improved. Yes sir, so like that's really on me too though. Like I want to be like the best. So I want to get better each season. Like that's my focus to be better than I was last year. And uh, Bate came in, and he sharpened up everything with, like, my technique. So I want to say, like, that's a big part of him coaching me and, like, helping me read the keys and make plays. So, Yep, Grover Stewart joins us here on the program. Oh, you know, you went to Albany State, played four years there. Mike White recruited you. He played in the league, so he knew, you know, what was happening when he went out and got you. You know, what do you remember most about those days at Albany State? Man, I remember Coach, he used to always be on me. Like, Coach, he used to, like, we was in meetings one morning. We was in meeting around 5, like 5.30. And, like, he told me, he was like, Grover, you one of the best D-line that done came through here in a decade. And, like, for him to stop in the, the middle of the film, film and tell me that, like, it meant a lot and it meant that he seen something in me. And, like, I just used to always push myself or he pushed me. Like, he was real hard on me. So Yeah, and you you appreciated that, right? Because here's a man that played, that had experience, not only played in the National Football League, but was where you were some years ago as a top defensive line in the SIAC at Albany State. Yes, sir. So, like, I really got a lot from him because he's seen something in me and, like, he already knew what it takes to get there, so. What what was that transition like for you? I can't remember now. Did you were you in the? I think you did do the combine, correct? No, sir, I didn't. Okay, but you, I mean, you, I know you maybe, yeah. Okay, you did not do the NFL combine, but still, again, a fourth round pick that that speaks even more volumes uh, because you know maybe you didn't have the exposure that you deserve. But what was the first year like for you with the Colts making that transition from Albany State to the National Football League and with the Colts? So, like, I want to say, like, the biggest thing for me was the technique. Like, everybody had, like, great technique when I was coming. I was like, man, how this guy doing this and doing that, making it look so easy? And, like, me, I was like a mauler guy, so I just wanted to get out the ball and beat somebody down, get out the ball and beat somebody down without technique. But they say, man, if you have technique, you'll be a way better player than you already are, so... I want to say technique, the speed of the game, it changed a little bit, but it wasn't much. Wow. No, that's 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 uh, that's saying something. So, um tell us how did you ultimately end up at Albany State? You you were slated to go was it the University of Georgia? I mean, I had letters from there, but um 
Albany, they just offered me like a full scholarship. I was already like behind the ball and like when like the D1 schools or the big schools see that I haven't took the test or didn't have the test scores, they backed away from me and Albany State stayed with me and it was a school right down the road. So, Yeah, no good deal. Last thought, what is it going to take to go to Detroit, pretty solid running game? You know, your thoughts on the Lions, and what is it going to take to uh, to go to Detroit and get the victory? I mean, we just got to keep doing what we've been doing, defensively and offensively. Like, I, we just need to set the run down. They got good backs. Uh, they got a good line, so veteran quarterback. So we just got to stay with our same mindset, man. Go out there and out-hit our opponents and uh, like do what we've been doing, man. Stay together. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did say last thought, but what what, what is the relationship between you and Darius Leonard? Like you guys are HB, you know, you guys are getting it done for that Colts defense, both HBCU guys. Sir, and we always talk about it, man. Darius, we real cool. Like we. Like, we always talking about HBCU. We always talking about we putting on or how we're going to put on. So, like, our relationship is real solid. I know you told him that in that, that – well, I know Benedict put on that classic that South Carolina State used to play in. But I know you t- probably told him that he's lucky that Albany State did not play South Carolina State. Y'all, you, you know, South Carolina State may have taken that L. He already know. I'll be trying to tell him, man. I be trying to tell him and Kenny, because Kenny went to bat also, so they used to whoop up on us a little bit. <laughs> that is great. Grover Stewart, a game, starting nose tackle for the Indianapolis Colts, joins us here on From the Press Box, the press row. The Colts are 4-2 on the season. They are on the road in Detroit against the Lions on Sunday. Grover, great job. Great to catch up with you, man. Continued success in all you do. Yes, sir. Thank you. So Grover Stewart joining us here. On the program, and I'm telling you what, Grover Stewart is well-respected around the National Football League. He's a free agent after next season, so the Colts are going to have a decision to make. If he keeps playing the way that he's playing, I mean, he's going to be one of the most dominant nose tackles in the game. So strong. You you heard him mention at 6'5", 6'6", uh, 300, and you can't move him, and it allows – for a lot of the other guys to make plays. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Again, thank you to Grover Stewart for joining us today here on the program. Don't forget about the HBCU Virtual Tailgate Series, which continues this Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'll be talking to North Carolina A&T head men's basketball coach, Will Jones. You can watch the HBCU Virtual Tailgate Series on the Facebook Live pages of the athletic departments of Alabama State, Southern, Florida A&M, Howard, and North Carolina A&T. For more information on From the Press Box to Press Row, log on to our website at boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented... Mikey W Communications. This year Halloween fell on the weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick-or-treating. Robbing little kids for bags. Till little man got behind our rags. So we speeded up the pace. Took a look back and he was right before our face. We were in for a squab, no doubt. So I swung and tried to take him out.